Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Ron Bumble for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Winner of Monster Magnet. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Giske talking. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show on VH1 Classic. Hey, everybody, this is your big daddy-o, Gene Hoagland. This is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar. Hey, Metalheads and Headbangers, this is Dolo Cash. Hi, it's Tom Ryan and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hi, yeah, okay, so hey, this is Paul Shortino. How you doing? Formerly of Rough Cut, Quiet Riot, and currently with King Cobra. You're listening to Mars Attack. <laughs> hey, what's up, everyone? This is Mark from Chimera. This is Vinny Apsey from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Christie from the band Charred Walls of the Damned on Metal Blade Records. And you are listening to Mars Attack. Yeah, this is John Schaefer from Iced Earth, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everybody, this is Matthew Wickland of God Forbid, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hey, this is Chris Barnes from Six Feet Under. You're listening to Mars Attack. Welcome, one and all, to episode 65 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And in this episode, we have two very special interviews. We have Matt Wicklin of God Forbid. And we have the legendary Chris Barnes of Six Feet Under. If you've been following anything that I've been doing in the past few months, the Chris Barnes episode, or the Chris Barnes interview, I should say, was actually originally posted on the Metal Army America website. Uh, For those of you keeping score, I had been contributing to Metal Army America. I did way back when in 2010, sort of stepped away from things because I didn't like the direction they were going in. And I was asked to come back earlier this year, so I contributed a bunch of reviews 
and for some reason they decided to go in another direction again. This is like the fifth time that they've decided to veer off somewhere else. Um, which is cool, you know, um, it's a volunteer job after all. And um, I had fun there, met some pretty cool people. But um, Metal Army America is yet again being shifted to another part of Century Media under their CM distribution, which is now uh, Metal Distribution or something to that effect. Um, Best of luck to them. And I do have to thank them for the opportunity that they did provide me. I was able to do some pretty cool interviews thanks to them. And, you know, they did help open up some doors there. Um, In any event, the written part of the interview was up there on the website for a while. I wanted to hold off to release the audio interview until, you know, a little while later. Because what's the point? People can read it. And then, you know, what's the point of listening to it back to back? At least this way, some time has passed. And uh, maybe it isn't as fresh in people's minds as it was before. And this way, you can actually listen to Chris Barnes talk about all the various topics that we touch on. Um, That's why I like doing these podcasts is because, you know, it's cool to have things written. uh, But you don't get, you know, that same feeling, the inflection in the voice and everything else. Um, with the audio, I mean, there's, there's no escaping it. It it always baffles me when people say, you know, well, please don't use this part of the interview. Well, you knew beforehand you were talking to someone, you were being recorded. Why say something that you don't want, you know, or that you're scared that you're going to offend somebody with, you know, just don't say it. <laughs> you know, it's just that easy, but you know, whatever. I, I've been cool when people have come back to me and, you know, edited things out that they didn't want. Uh, it's happened on a few occasions, so and I'm sure it'll happen again in the future, but no big deal. Um, and uh, what else? Um, aside from the Metal Army uh, happenings, we had our last podcast, which was based on the self-titled debut from Suicidal Tendencies. Received a lot of great feedback regarding that. Remember, you could drop us a line here by sending an email to input at marsattacksradio.com. Also, remember, you could leave your comments up there on the website. Um, what else? If you were following this podcast... You can either listen to it, stream it directly from MarsAttacksRadio.com. You can download it from the website as well, or you can subscribe via iTunes. Uh, Either one of those three works fine. I know that pages like Blabbermouth and Brave Words do stream it, and that's cool. You know, if nothing else, it just helps get our name out there. Um, But if you can, you know, leave your comments up on iTunes. The more comments we get, the more people that actually listen. I also want to remind you that we do have the Facebook, the Twitter, the Google+, and all these other great social networks that we're a part of. All you have to do is go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com. There is a column on the right-hand side where you can click on all the individual social networking uh, sites that we're a part of. And by all means, you know, friend us, like us. Do whatever you can to make sure that your friends find out about the Mars Attacks podcast. Still working on getting us back on to some uh, 
site to syndicate this so that it's uh so that the the radio part holds true as well uh we'll see have uh my hands full right now in a bunch of different projects and uh, we'll have more information on that in the future some exciting stuff um but like usual let's get into some music let's check out something new off of the new testament album uh, was recently released, and uh, some pretty cool covers on this album. Um, an interesting take on a Queen classic. This has always been one of my favorite Queen songs. The name is Dragon Attack. Well, this is Testament's interpretation of Dragon Attack. <laughs>
Dragon Attack, originally done by Queen, and this is what cracks me up about uh, younger metal listeners. You know, it's cool that there are new generations that come on, but as the generations grow older, or I think as people start to listen, they actually sort of put aside what their friends tell them they should listen to, and they delve back into maybe influences of certain bands. Um, You know, and I think radio has a lot to do with this as well. Such a cool Queen track, but your average thrash fan that's probably 20 years old would just automatically pan Queen as being that band that does Bohemian Rhapsody, We Will Rock You and We Are The Champions, and maybe, you know, Somebody To Love or, or something like that, you know, and hasn't checked out some of their harder rocking songs Is it 100% metal? No. Is it cool hard rock? Yes, without a doubt. Do they have some pop stuff? Yes, they have pop stuff as well. But that doesn't mean that they didn't influence a band like Testament. So there you go. You know, it's just a cool, cool uh, cover, excuse me, that Testament has decided to do. Another band that they cover is Scorpions. I'll never, you know... It never ceases to amaze me how people will say Scorpions are not a hard rock or not a metal band. They know them for winds of change, rock you like a hurricane, and that's it. And, you know, for those of you that, you know, again, a 20-year-old, someone in their early 20s that says, well, you know, Scorpions have nothing to do with, you know, the way that metal sounds or this sounds or that sounds... Go back and check out some of the albums that they released in the 70s. Some of the things from the early 80s, the Blackout album, for example. Um, And listen to people like Dave Mustaine, the Amat Brothers, and others mention how Michael Shanker and John Uli Roth, or Uli John Roth, excuse me, um, have been great influences on them. So don't just pan a band because of their one big, you know, hit. That would be like panning Master of Puppets just because, you know, Enter Sandman is just such a huge radio hit. Anyway, moving forward, as some of you may or may not know, Mars Attacks Podcast is part of the Cast Iron Ring Network of Podcasts. The Cast Iron Ring, for those of you that don't know, is made up of not only the Mars Attacks Podcast, but Skull Sessions Shockwaves podcast, say that three times fast, (laughs) Focus on Metal, the Bone Hand Heavy Half half Hour, excuse me, Signal to Noise, Radioactive Metal, and also Skull Sessions, HardRadio.com video podcast. In recent weeks, you'll see that there have been podcasts released by Focus on Metal, episode 91 with, or it's titled Leather Returns. This is uh, Leather Leone, who will be an upcoming guest on the Mars Attacks podcast as well. You have Iron City Rocks, episode 164, covering Mayhem Fest 2012, or 2012, however you want to say it. Radioactive Metal, episode 227, Witching Hour and a Half. You also have Iron City Rocks, episode 162, with Rudy Sarzo and Alice Cooper and Bisto Blanco's Chuck Eric. And finally, going back a little while there to July 28th, you have Radioactive Metal, episode 226, 
that metal game show. So I actually helped uh, contribute various questions to that. I have to listen back to see if they used any of the questions that I sent along. And uh, actually, day before that, we have Shockwave's Hard Radio episode 61, where people interviewed include Lizzie Borden, among others. Anyway, moving forward here, let's get into a little Vision of Disorder. VOD is back. And what a great, great new album. 2012 is shaping up to be a really, really strong year for metal and hard rock in general. Uh, The name of the new album is The Cursed Remain Cursed. The name of this track is Loveless by VOD. This moment is back with another new album. It is called Blood. 
And uh, they released this track up on YouTube a few weeks back. I've been digging it ever since. Um, for all the people that say illegal downloading has done so much to, uh, you know, cut back on the uh, recording industry, YouTube probably has more to do with the downfall of the recording industry than illegal downloads because a lot of people don't even bother downloading things now. They just put a YouTube playlist together rip that uh, into MP3 format, and then they're off. So, I mean, uh, as times change from the vinyl to the cassette to the CD, back to the vinyl again now for some people, um, and off to the MP3, you know, a lot of people are using YouTube as their outlet, and since people are getting accustomed to just listening to one or two songs, they're finding that one or two you know, tracks off of the album from that band that they enjoy, and that's it. They're not bothering to check out an album. Anyway, enough rambling. Uh, this is You're Gonna Listen by In This Moment. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you'd crawl this road. It's so sweet How you care I bet you're ready for
next, we are going to be getting into the first interview with Matt Wicklin of God Forbid. God Forbid is out there on the Trespass America Festival at the moment. They'll be on the festival till looks like the 1st of September. Um, you'll see during the interview, I mentioned a tour that I thought they were a part of. At the time that I did the interview, I thought they were still touring with Overkill. And I was wrong. Tour was done by them. Uh, by then, excuse me. But uh, anyway, I guess no harm, no foul. Matt did not get annoyed at me. You'll be able to hear that during the interview. So uh, anyway... Let's get into something from, God forbid, off of their latest Equilibrium. They just released a video for the track Equilibrium, so let's get into that before jumping into the interview with Matt Wicklin of God Forbid.
A while back, you had just joined the band, and it was a real period of uncertainty within the band. Um, the one thing that he was definitely convinced about or confident about was your playing ability and what you were going to add to the new material that uh, that the band was working on. Uh, initially, who approached who? Did they come after you, or did you find out that they had the opening and sort of approached them and tried, you know, tried out for the band? Uh, well, let's see. <clears throat> kind of a little both. I'll explain the story. Uh, uh, God Forbid was out on tour with uh, Lamb of God and Children of Bodom and I believe Municipal Waste back in uh, spring of 2009. And I, I was living in Seattle and I was uh, I was working on a band out there that with my friend Willis, who actually plays in Two Cents now, but another story. But uh, we we heard that, God forbid, you know, whatever, all, all those bands were playing down the road. So we I said, hey, Willis, let's go down, you know, let's take a break from jam and let's go check out a show. And I'd known, I'd known all these guys for a long time since, you know, my involvement with HIMSA and Warl Bane or whatever. So, so I was like, yeah, I get to go see some friends, see some good music. So I ran into the God forbid guys. And I did not know that Dallas had left at that point. And uh, they, they had Chris Norris out on the road with them filling in. And we just right. caught up a little bit backstage, having a beer or whatever, talking. And then, then it hit me. I was like, you know, at the dock, you know, I'm available. It's, you know, if I knew Chris was filling in and there was, it wasn't a fish, you know, wasn't like living in the band or whatever, but he was just, you know, filling in. And I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm available if you, if you want to try me out. And he was like, yeah, I'm into that idea. And he goes, we'll talk more in, in a couple of weeks when we get home, but I think, I think that might be cool. Maybe we could take you out on tour, see how things feel. And Doc and I had talked in the past about doing a side project together. So, uh, you know, there was already that interest in, in working together musically. So uh, it's just kind of like right place at the right time sort of thing. You know what I mean? And, right. And then, yeah, we got the call, and then there was that tours lined up and uh, like festival run in Europe and some off dates in Anthrax. And uh, then after that, the Mayhem Festival 2009. So I just, I learned the material as fast as I could, you know, a week or a week and a half, whatever, got it all down and uh, came out to New Jersey and flew out to Europe. First show was in Wales, a warm up show for a few hundred people. And then the next one was Download Festival. It was like, <laughs> 
who knows, 60,000 people or whatever. So that was a little nerve-wracking since I, I mean, all the songs were just brand new to me. And I'd heard them before, but as far as playing goes, you know, that was uh, that was an experience I'll never forget. But it, it turned out great. So. so, yeah, and then, you know, okay. one thing led to another. We, we got along good. We've been friends for a while. I brought new music to the table. Everybody liked it. And just everything just clicked and worked. And then, you know, here we are today, three years later. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah. there was like sort of a like feeling out period just to make sure that you know you were cool with them and and vice versa. Um, yeah. Was yeah. there was there any type of hesitation on on your behalf? You know, knowing that Dallas was out of the band and you know outside of him actually being a founding member of the band, he's obviously Doc's brother. So was there mm-hmm. ever any hesitation on your behalf saying you know this is a big risk? You know if I join this band, you know, what if Dallas all of a sudden wants to come back? Were you, did you look for certain reassurances before, you know, committing 100% to the band? No, not really, because, well, for a couple of reasons, I think. First of all, I, I was having a, a really good time right from the beginning. I was very happy to be playing with them, and they had kind of given me uh, some reassurance that, that the, their time with Dallas was done and that they were ready to move forward in a new direction. I think the whole dynamic just wasn't, as far as I could tell, wasn't the, the most healthy dynamic for, for everyone involved. And, you know, I'm not talking any trash about anybody because I love all of them, including Dallas. Like, you know, but I think there was just something there that was making it not right. And they, they were ready to to go to the next you know, the next chapter, and they told me they wanted me to be a part of that. And and then when I, I felt very confident after I uh, I showed them a lot of the music I was writing and their reaction was very positive, they, uh, they seemed to really, really be happy and excited and inspired by what I was showing them, and I was equally as inspired by what they were showing me. So I guess I felt good right from the beginning, like it was the right thing. And it's... It, not to say that it was easy the whole time. So, you know, it took us over two years to write that record, but right. but it was a good it was a good experience the whole time. Everybody had to find their place and figure out what worked, and, and everyone had to grow outside of their maybe their previous comfort zones. I think like we all just stepped it up a notch. I think so. Right. But yeah, it felt good the whole time. I never really second guessed it. I just went with it because it felt right. So. Okay. Good. There you go. And you mentioned your time in HIMSA. How does working with God Forbid vary from working with HIMSA or any other project that you were previously a part of? Um, I think all the way around, working with God Forbid has been a better experience than what I'm used to. And I've always had a lot of creative uh, flexibility, no matter what I've done. Like, Maybe it's because I'm an extremely creative person. Like I, I never stop writing music, so that's just what I do. But with like in, in previous bands, I've felt sometimes some some bad energy coming from people, you know, whether you know e- ego based or jealousy or you know whatever. Always some negative things going on. But with, with God forbid, all my ideas were always welcomed and I and I welcomed everything that they showed me. So we had a really open and open minded 
uh, very, very creative experience that was very uh, was inspiring. So it was kind of the first time for me where I felt really free to hmm. just do whatever I wanted. And that was really amazing of them to give me that opportunity because they're a band with a lot of history. Yeah. Right. You know, thirteen, you know, thirteen years, thirteen plus years, several albums. Um, but they were just ready to, you know, take it to wherever it was going to go, and, and I thought that was really cool. So you can hear that on the record. I think, listen, you know, the record's obviously yeah. different, but it still has the, the God forbid elements that people loved. I think it just kind of grown into a new thing, and and we're we were, I think we were all ready for that to happen, especially them, because, you know, it was their thing first, but uh, I'm glad that, that it was that way and that we were all able just to be as creative as possible and do whatever we wanted to do. Great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, as far as the album is concerned with Equilibrium, did you feel any type of pressure that you had to prove yourself, say, to the fans that have been with the band for all these years? Or did you just sit down and naturally write to the best that you could? Uh, it's it's a little both. But, like, yeah, I felt the pressure, but I felt confident that I could deliver. So it's, it was more of that pressure turning into excitement because I was like, oh, I, I can't wait to to get these songs finished to show the people because I really believe that these are good and I believe that people will love them. So I, I guess that I was very confident, you know, but maybe that hopefully that's not seen in a negative light, but you know, <laughs> like, and, you know, I just felt good. And, and, and so, yeah, there's that pressure, but I also knew at the same time that some fans probably would not like it because right. It is different. It is different, but that's just the way it goes when you're creating stuff. You know, art of any kind you can't make everybody happy. I just right. So that's in that sense. I just yeah, I want to do the best I could, and I and I think we all are on that same page. So that's that. Okay. Um, did you personally do anything different on this album uh, than anything that you've done, say, in the past? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, I can't think of anything in particular. You know, aside from I, th I think the songs are more. I think they're better written, and my my physical performance is much better than it ever has been. But that's just because I've been working my ass off nonstop <laughs> for years. So you know, same process, same kind of thing. You know. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was gonna say it was the first time I'd written some more rock, you know, commercially accessible material. But then I was like, wait a minute, I did that with Laurel Bain on his solo album. So kind of a combination of what I did with Laurel and, and Hemsa and the, the God forbid twist in the mix, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And. Um, as far as your gear is concerned, uh, can you describe uh, the gear that you used in the studio, and does that differ at all from what you use in a live setting? Uh, not really. Actually, we... Uh, well, a little bit. Let me just explain. Live, live I've been using 
the past year I've been using Ibanez guitars, uh, and and then as far as amplifiers, we, we use EVH 5150s uh, or 5153s, I guess they're called. Well, we, right. In the studio, same thing. We use a real big variety of guitars in the studio, though, for different tones. And I, I'm a guitar geek. I have a lot of guitars and a lot of different brands, whatever. Doc says, you know, same. Somebody just like PRS, ESP, Ibanez, uh, Washburn, Comparison, you know, like, I think there might be a comparison in there, in the mix somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was everything we had, like, you know, like, a, imagine, just think of them like paintbrushes or whatever. We just used everything we could. Right. So there's maybe a little more, I guess, tonal variety happening on the record than we could possibly ever pull off live unless we had a, each had 12 neck guitars and made from 12 <laughs> different manufacturers. That's <laughs> not reasonable. Uh, I think our producer, Mark Lewis, used, uh, Maybe it's like a diesel or a Bogner somewhere in the mix for, you know, some different tones. But basically what you're getting is a EVH 5153 with your basic uh, metal guitar in the, in the mix. So. Not much to it. We, we don't go too crazy. We use some effects like some whammy pedals and whatever, basic delays. Yeah, like so. What you hear live is going to be pretty damn close to what you hear on the record. Okay, and out of all yeah. the guitars that you do have, since you have a wide variety, uh, yeah. what is the one sort of your your favorite guitar that you do have? I'm assuming that you can't take your favorite guitar out on the road, but I'm sure you have one that you absolutely <laughs> love to to play and you can't part with. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple. One of them, I have an old Washburn N4, the one that Nuno Betancourt plays from Extreme. Right. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with him, but he's one of my favorite guitar players. And I've had that guitar for years and it's been beat up, been through hell. And it just, it looks terrible. It's just beat down and dirty and everything. But, but that thing is amazing to play. I just wrote a new song this morning and recorded it with that. I also am very fond of... I've spent the majority of my career playing comparison guitars, and I, I'm very, very fond of them. Uh, comparison has went kind of had a little trouble there for about a year, but they're back now, and I'm really excited. Uh, so, so hopefully I'll... I don't know. I don't want to say too much, but I'm really excited to see Comparison back, and hopefully I'll actually be playing some of those again soon. Um, yeah, Comparison from that old Washburn, the N4. Can't go wrong with that old N4. Okay. So that's, uh, what, that's, uh, what drew you to the N4, just Nuno's playing? Yeah, yeah. When I was in ninth, when I was in ninth grade, that's right when I, that's when I was getting really into guitar, like buying all the Guitar World magazines and all that. And I'm, I'm definitely going to date myself right now. At that time, Nuno was like on top. He was the, one of the best guitar players, you know, in, the, in all the magazines. And I had a really good friend from Thailand who was teaching me how to shred. And Nuno was his favorite guitar player. So, so it's, from that point on, I had this awareness of Nuno and this, like, this respect for him or whatever. And as soon as I could, well, as I got uh, more and more 
or my career developed in music or whatever, and I was able to get a, a guitar for free for the first time. Uh, <laughs> I, I worked with Washburn in the beginning, and Washburn gave me an N4, and that was like a big landmark, a big achievement for me. So, yeah, I just always kept that thing. And, and, yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a guitar. You should try one if you play guitar. Yeah, it's inter- it's interesting. Wow. I just saw their catalog and it was interesting uh-huh. to see that they they're still um that they're still putting that model out. And I mean, it's been how many years? I mean, I think he's had that since probably around porno graffiti, right? So, I mean, that mm, Yeah, it's, it's over 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Yeah, he, he actually something... play, he plays the same one that he played back then. His is more way more beat up than mine. <laughs> but it's yeah, but it's you know it's just it's like engineered perfectly, kind of an amazing, like a Stradivarius, you know, cool, right. cool guitar. L- last extreme related question. I'm assuming that uh, uh-huh. the, the goal initially was to uh, get the uh, what is that the beginning or the middle solo? I don't remember for the song. Uh, was it "Play with Me" that had like the big long intro or, or middle solo to it? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember that right now. I think I was actually trying to learn that solo before I, well, within this last year. God, I can't remember. I, I got to go home and refresh refresh myself on that. <laughs> I'll, I'll go learn it. That's all I do. I'll go home and learn it. There you go. Um, that's hmm. probably the first thing that I heard by them that really uh, caught my attention. So, yeah, I could well, – when you brought his name up, uh, you know, there's no uh, – at least as far as I'm concerned, there's no shame in, uh, you know, talking up good musicianship. Whether whether you like some of their commercial no. stuff or not, that doesn't diminish, you know, the the fact that the guy is just an absolute uh, master of his instrument. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm starting a new side project right now uh, with, a, with a very good guitar player that's that I've been a fan of for many years. Uh, I can't really disclose any any further details at this point, but uh, I think it'll be more in the vein of, of you know, something like what Nuno was doing, you know, like like more hard rock based, a lot of Eddie Van Halen esque kind of guitar right. playing, that kind of thing. That's that's kind of where my head's at now. It, of course, it's in metal, and I love doing that, but I definitely want to explore more of that Van Halen kind of. You know, Nuno, that hard rock kind of approach. It's uh, I just see it as a big, uh, a big world that I'd like to explore as, as a guitar player. So, so look out okay. for that, people. Rock project coming from from me and some other guitar go. players. Hell of a lot better than I am. So I got I better get my chops <laughs> up. There you go. And, and yeah. if I had a nickel for every time someone said, you know, I have this new project that I can't talk about. I think I'd be a millionaire by now, but, uh, <laughs> well, I've had, I've had at least 10 that didn't make it off the ground, but this, this one, this one has to, otherwise I, I won't be able to live myself. It's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely have to do a, a follow-up interview once, once that's ready. Yeah. yeah give me like six months. No problem. Um, you're currently out there with Overkill. Um, being that I'm originally from New Jersey, I can ask this type of question. Uh, what's it like being on tour with so many people from New Jersey? Oh, it's funny. 
<laughs> you you know how Jersey people get down. It's loud and it's uh it's yeah, it's funny, sometimes crude. It's great. It's it's uh no, it's a lot of fun. I I really like uh obviously all the guys in my band and the guys in Overkill are amazing people. Um a lot of fun. Like Bobby Blitz had me had me laughing several times so hard that I didn't I didn't even know I could laugh that hard. So yeah, they, those guys are great. I can't say enough good things about them. And an amazing band. Uh, boy, like their guitar player Dave, that guy is ridiculously good. It's he, he's got got the skills down, the shred, the blues, but such a smooth player and so so much strength and uh, conviction in it. Like in his lead playing, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I was I always appreciated them before, but after touring them, now I'm like I'm sold. So yeah, New Jersey had it had on lockdown this spring. We were you know I'm not from Jersey. I live here now. Uh, yeah, actually the tour was uh, ended in New York like two days ago, but it was uh, it was good times. Good times. Okay, uh, my my bad. I thought the the tour was still going on a little longer, but um... that was only only three week tour. It was it covered all the major markets in the United States pretty much, but yeah, it was it was three weeks, but it was it was hard because it was there was no days off really. It was just one one day after another, uh, really long drives. So I'm glad we did it. It was a lot of fun. Okay. And speaking of playing live, if you could put a uh, a bill together uh, where God forbid would play with a current band that exists and a band that no longer exists, uh, mm-hmm. you can raise the dead. Money would be no mm-hmm. option. Any band, any two bands whatsoever. Which two bands would you choose to play with? God forbid. Okay, let me think. Uh, oh boy. See, my answer is going to be way different than the other guys, I'm sure. But if I could have it my way, I think yeah, we would have cool it like, yeah, I think in, in my in my dreamland, we would probably like be uh, be main support for like uh, for Death Leopard. That would be hot. <laughs> and then and then opening opening up would be Niccolo Paganini on violin. I love that one. <laughs> I can play twenty twenty four caprices shredding that violin like crazy. See that that would satisfy a lot of my my musical uh, cravings. So there you go. And and would that be uh, what what formation of Def Leppard the the current formation or would you be uh, bringing uh, Steve Clark back from the dead or or, or, or even Rick Allen's arm? Mm. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good question. Well, whatever whatever the combo was on on the his Pyromania Hysteria records, because that's that's when I got into Death Leopard in, in okay. my youth. So I, I don't know, I don't even know what was the, the makeup of Death Leopard at that point. But yeah, that would be Steve Clark on uh, rhythm guitar there, and Pyromania uh-huh. had 
a two-armed Rick Allen, and Hysteria had a one-armed Rick Allen. So, uh, uh, so maybe, maybe cut off half his half his arm. <laughs> I don't know. No, that was bad. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that leopard rule. That that's that's the New Jersey humor <laughs> coming out in you. I know. It's, uh, it's I, rubbing I do, off. I, do <laughs> I know. I know. It's true. I've been here for a few years now, and then before. Before that, I lived out. I lived in New York off and on for a few years. So, guess it's a part of me now. There you go. R- rubs off whether you uh, intend it to or not. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Wickland of God Forbid, and we're listening to Mars Attack. Tell Me What to Dream by, God forbid, coming off of Equilibrium. Once again, check them out on the Trespass America Festival with, uh, let's see, Trivium, Pop Evil, Kill Switch Engage, and Five Finger Death Punch, among others. Moving forward, we're going to get into the Chris Barnes portion of the episode Uh, Six Feet Under just recently released their album Undead. 
It's probably the best sounding death metal album I've ever heard. And I can say it, you know, I can admit it without a doubt. I'm not the biggest death metal fan because a lot of times the production just really turns me off. And this album just sounds great. It sounds crisp. It sounds defined. Uh, You can hear absolutely every nuance of Rob Arnold's playing. And uh, speaking of Rob Arnold, wouldn't you know it, a day after my interview comes out, on Metal Army America, they announced that he's no longer part of the band. Well, he is, but he isn't. He's part of the touring, or he's not part of the touring, excuse me, uh, part of the band, but he will write on future albums, so we'll see how that all works out. Uh, Let's get into a track called Formaldehyde before we jump into the interview with Chris Barnes. started Six Feet Under back in 93 as a side project. Did you ever expect the band to be around 20 years later? Oh, yeah, man. I had a really good idea that the band was going to be, uh, you know, well accepted. Like, the, you know, the first group of songs I got that I started working on, I really could, I could see the crowd really, you know, liking the music and the live situation. So I felt as though it was going to be a, a good long-term thing for myself. 
Okay. And the word pioneer is associated to so many people, but I think with you and your voice, it's very apparent that you helped sort of mold a style that so many singers have emulated since you appeared on the scene. Did you ever think that your vocal style would be this influential? Um, no, I really don't even think of it now. Like, when you say that, it kind of makes me, like cringe a little bit like I don't you know I don't really think about stuff like that I mean it's I don't think I'm really you know responsible for that but uh you know if if people like to associate me with that then you know it's okay with me I just I'm I just uh you know I'm just glad people enjoy it okay cool and um as I've read in a few places a lot of the topics that are covered with the new album Undead are not new to the band. Um, how challenging is it for you to take a certain topic and sort of mold it again in a different fashion so that it's fresh and new on each album? Oh, it's it's not uh, difficult. I mean, there's millions of ways to kill people. So <laughs> I haven't written millions of songs. I've written you know, a couple hundred probably. But, uh, right. So, I mean, it's pretty much infinite. I mean, really, when I sit down to write lyrics, I listen, I just take it like it's the first song I've ever written and, okay. you know, really listen to the to the music because I write to the music and uh, it really takes me on a journey and speaks to me, you know, how it, what, it, what it's saying to me. I kind of really link into that and, and bring out the story and, you know, follow the vibe of the actual tone of the music. Okay, and given death and murder being an, an obvious theme, uh, does it surprise you that people can't sort of separate you as a singer as opposed to you as a person? Do they expect you only to talk about these themes all the time? <laughs> um, I don't know. Sometimes I guess people are surprised when they meet me and actually sit down and talk to me that, yeah, I mean, that's not possible. All I really talk about and dwell on, um, right? You know, that's kind of my my secret my secret life that I give you guys all a glimpse <laughs> into. You know, um, right? So yeah, you know, it's the the calm, nice guy next door you got to watch out for. So, but <laughs> but I, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe there's a little bit of disappointment in some fans, you know, faces when they meet me and we're hanging out, and you know, it's just you know, they expect something other than what they get, and I can't be anyone else but the person I am. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is, and I try to just have a good time no matter what the situation is. Right. That's always so surprising to me, because after all, um, I mean, you you have to sort of separate who you are on a stage as opposed to who you are in real life. I mean, in the end, it's no different than an actor playing a part um, well, no, I don't or, agree with you on that. I don't agree no? with you. No, I'm not playing a part. That's who I am. It's just I there's I think that everyone is multifaceted. If you're not, you're just a ignorant, you know, boring <laughs> person, you know. And I I just uh, I choose to let people in on a certain part of what excites me and thrills me by writing music and you know, or being involved with writing music and writing lyrics and stories and 
hopefully people are excited by that as I am. Okay. Has your motivation changed at all over the years? No, not at all. I'm motivated by creating, um, you know, music that I really, really enjoy myself. And that's really my motivation is to create something that I, I, I really am um, interested in. Okay. And so much of what's been discussed regarding the new album is the sort of injection of various members from uh, Chimera. Was there any doubt in your mind that this lineup would gel and work as good as it has on this album? Oh, no, I didn't doubt it. I mean, Rob was the first guy I I, I, uh, decided... That I wanted to work with when it was time to really, you know, sit down and, and get started on, on the album. And, you know, I've known him for years and just really, I know what, what a, a conscious, you know, focused uh, songwriter he is and and uh, his his uh, abilities as a musician are, are amazing. And I, I always, you know, had that in the back of my head, you know, for, for years that I'd like to work with him one day and, and Kevin as well. And, uh, you know, so I, I really had, I had high hopes and, and everything I hoped for really uh, came true with this album. I feel like we created a, a, a really great group of songs for this album. Okay. And what separates Rob from other people that you've worked with in the past from a songwriting standpoint? Uh, well, like I said, focus, a consciousness to songwriting that um, I've always wanted to uh, be involved with uh, and his, uh, you know, by that I mean he really, he's a very intelligent guy and he understands there's more to a a, a song and and songwriting than just writing guitar parts randomly. Um, You know, he really understands what I work off of and the things that, make me tick as a vocalist and a songwriter and the things that I syncopate my my vocal versings against. And and by doing that it's it's very it's a very conscious writing style, very focused and uh and and and, and just a really uh ease of, of uh you know of writing to, to the music that he creates, you know, he's, he really knows where my pocket is, and that's that's really important. So if it were up to you, this is going to be a very long-lasting musical relationship? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, you know, Bob's definitely um, going to stay a, a songwriter for as long as he wants to be involved, while, you know, submitting songs to, to us for, for future stuff, you know, he's already got... There's already three of his songs on the next record that I've already done. So. Hmm, okay. Uh, with the last album, you decided to self-produce it. With Undead, you decided to bring in Mark Lewis and Jason Swakoff to help sort of steer certain things. How important has their contribution been to this band? Or, I'm oh, sorry, to this album? Yeah, just as important as everyone else's, man. I mean, just like everything else, we, uh, you know went outside the band and, and did things a little different and wanted to make sure that even the production we handled differently and with as much care as everything else that we we concentrated on 
with this release. And, and you know, Jason Sukoff and, and Mark Lewis are both really good friends of ours, and I've worked with Mark in the past on previous releases that he's mixed for us. And, you know, he's just a great guy. I love his, uh, you know, his his style of handling things is great. And, and Jason, i got to give a lot of credit to. He really came into this thing and, uh, you know, did the mix of the record and, and just understood exactly what myself and Rob Arnold wanted and needed from this production and pulled all those elements together with with everyone's, you know, tastes and likes and uh, needs for the album and really, you know, it just did a wonderful job. I couldn't be happier with the production on this album. It's just probably the, the it is the best production we've ever had on a current record. I think it definitely stands out, uh, the production on the album, and you could hear a lot of the little, you know, intricate parts that uh, that Rob does and a lot of different things that you normally wouldn't hear on uh, on a death metal album. And I think it really does stand out just from that, from everything that you've mentioned, that production standpoint. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank them. Thanks to them because they've done they did a great job and, you know, like I said, it was a lot of fun. That that whole session was, it was a learning experience for everybody. I think is the best way to put it. Okay, was there anything that you tried differently in the studio with this album uh, outside of bringing in these producers? Did you personally try anything different, or want to go for something different? Um, I just I, yeah, I wanted to make sure I had enough time and and a relaxing atmosphere and not be rushed into things and to actually um, get the best performances out of myself as I possibly could. <clears throat> I always try to do those things, but I was even more, you know, intent on, on getting that that done. And, and I was able to due to the fact that we, you know, wrote and I recorded all my vocal tracks over about a year and two months and, you know, was able to write a, a song and then go in and record the vocals as as we went. So it was an interesting session, you know. And I, I tried a, a few different techniques as far as uh, vocal techniques in the studio. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff like um, where I would do different tones and vocal tones, I, I had different ways of achieving that other than, like, you know, using studio equipment and stuff like that, which I've never been really a fan of, you know, processing my vocal to achieve like a, a, a dynamic effect to it. So I used it like acoustic techniques that I've developed myself over the years in the studio, which this time around, I, since I had more time, I could experiment a little bit with things like that with microphone placement and um, just other things that I just kind of had an interest in, in trying and, those things really worked out, especially on a, a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the, the double tracking of, of vocals where I'll, I'll, I'll do a, you know, an extra a vocal track in the back to syncopate against something else I'm doing. Okay. And that's interesting that you would go that route when so many people are, you know, just so used to using digital effects with everything uh, nowadays. Um is there anything that you have to do to sort of train your voice to get it ready to go into the studio or while you're out on the road, or is your voice just what it is when you show up? 
Um, you know, just get my daily dose of cannabinoids and, uh, you know, have, have as much rehearsal time before a tour or before a, a studio session as possibly I can and, uh, you know, just stay in shape. Okay. Um, does it surprise you the notoriety that some of your cover songs have, uh, uh, taken over the years? Um, well, there's been, you know, I mean, the, you know, the Europeans and the Germans always love, you know, the, the TNT and the live, you know, the live festivals and all that stuff. So that, that did surprise me. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy version. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, that, that kind of surprised me, but yeah, it was a lot of fun doing that stuff. Okay. Does it surprise you that a lot of the bands that you've covered at one point in time may have been considered a metal band, but to the average fan nowadays, they're no longer considered a metal band? Uh, I really haven't given that much thought, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess that's kind of interesting. It's, not something that bothers me, um, you know, because really, what are labels? I mean, if they fade out, so what? It's, at least it's good music. Right. Ag- agree 100%. I think <laughs> the only label that should matter is if it's good or bad, and that's it. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, what yeah. Other... <laughs> it's gotta, you got to make it interesting for people, you know, so they're a part of something, you know, and that's what I think the labels do is it makes people like they're a part of a group of some sort. And, that's always cool because I always was one of those kids growing up, you know. I always wanted to be, you know, a part of something, and being a metalhead was a, a being a part of something, you know, especially if you had nothing else in your life growing up, and that was the most fun you had, like me, you know. It's just music was, was everything to me at, at one point and still is in a different way though now. Okay. And what do you, what do you think, excuse me, is the biggest cliche in death metal? anything really cliche about death metal, you know, I think it is what what it is, and people make it what they want to make it, you know, I always thought of, you know, death metal being, you know, kind of an open, you know, kind of range, you know, you can just roam free and do what you want, and I don't know, I, I haven't really, nothing that I've seen other bands do has ever, ever bothered me, I think there's room for everything, and people want to stick to a certain way of thinking as far as what death metal is and just portraying that it's cool too you know I mean there's there's always room for the purists and the guys that want to experiment you know it's it's a very interesting style of music to me hey this is Chris Barnes from Six Feet Under you're listening to Mars Attack Yeah. 
by six feet under coming off of their latest album undead definitely check it out also check out god forbids equilibrium want to thank everyone that made these interviews possible jessica over at victory records liz over at ear split compound want to also thank um vince over at metal blades for hooking me up with chris barnes I want to thank you guys for listening. Remember to keep coming back to MarsAttacksRadio.com to check out all the great stuff surrounding this podcast and perhaps any future radio shows. I want to also remind you that you can subscribe via iTunes, have the latest episodes downloaded directly to iTunes, to your iPhone, to your iPod, so on and so forth. And uh, just remember, you can stream or download the episodes from MarsAttacksRadio.com 
as well. Remember to check out the Cast Iron Ring. That's castironring.com for all the latest news regarding the great, great Cast Iron Ring network of hard rock and metal podcasts. Also remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and all these other great, great social networks. Go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. On the right-hand side, you'll find a list of all the social networks that we're on. Click on them, like us, friend us, do whatever you can to help spread the word regarding the podcast. Uh, Also want to remind you to check out the Mars Attacks Classic Albums column where we have musicians, producers, other show hosts, and all types of people from the industry comment on various albums. Last month's, um, or the last episode to contain the Classic Albums column centered on Suicidal Tendencies self-titled debut. Remember, you could read the written comments right on MarsAttacksRadio.com and you can listen to the podcast portion of it on the MarsAttacksRadio.com website or again, subscribe to iTunes or subscribe via iTunes. Don't want to beat a dead horse here. So, uh, moving along. Thanks again for listening and we're going to wrap things up with a six feet under track that I've always dug, uh, they sort of found a niche for themselves. For themselves, excuse me, uh, doing various covers. This cover contains one of my all-time favorite singers. You could hear him at the beginning of the various IDs at the beginning of the show. I should say, um, it is interesting because a lot of people ask. You know, what's your crowning achievement? You know, did, you got to speak to this person or that person. To me, speaking to John Bush was one of my biggest achievements because I'm such a big fan of his music, especially or especially of his work in Anthrax. So while he was in Anthrax, he helped Six Feet on their cover, Scorpions. See the tie-in from earlier on in the show? Anyway... This is them covering the title track off of the Scorpions' Blackout album. This is Six Feet Under with John Bush. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. Don't want
Motherfucker, motherfucker.